The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. My name is Darian Douglas, and welcome back to The Working Artist Project. And also, welcome back, Gregory Ajid, fresh from COVID. What's up, man? How you doing? I am um, doing <laughs> fresh from COVID. I'm doing so much better than I was last week, man. Thank you so much for asking. I appreciate that. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just sitting here trying to keep my energy going, you know, little by little, just day by day, you know. Well, man, you, you're doing a wonderful job. And uh, I just want a little public service announcement for everyone watching. I would highly recommend not getting COVID. Oh. It's, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. Oh. And... Um, <clears throat> You know, I was one of those people that was like, you know, I have a strong immune system. I, I take care of my body and I'll be fine. And it really knocked me on my ass and, and was, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty serious thing to deal with. So, uh, you know, don't 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 feel like you need to experience uh, the disease to feel to have your perspective changed on the seriousness of it. See, so, now you, know, you, re now you respect regret it. You regret letting all those girls cough in your mouth. huh? See, see, Greg? See, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a that reminds me. There was a South Park episode back in the day where they were all trying to get chicken pox, and, and <laughs> remember that one where they're playing Ookie Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we digress. We digress. <laughs> On today's Please. show, our guest we have a very special guest, and she is is quite amazing. And you know, the, the, I would say she is also a, a rare specimen. She is a real New Yorker, born and raised in, in New York. And her name is Jeanette Berry. Uh, she's a vocalist and she's performed with people like Lauren Hill, all kind of people you heard before. And she real funky. And we're going to go ahead and welcome Jeanette Berry to the Working Artist Project. What's up, Jeanette? Hey, y'all. <laughs> Good to see you. You as well. Yeah. It's been a little minute. How you doing? I'm good. I can't complain. Um, I'm actually in Charlotte, North Carolina at the moment, so I am not experiencing any of the snow. Apologies to all my, you know, Northeast people. Actually, my parents just called and said they lost power, but then they got it right back. Okay. So. All right. Good. Happy about that. So, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we out here. We buried it. I told my, my wife and my mother-in-law, I said, I don't know if we're going to get out of here. It's <laughs> <laughs> the snow is crazy. It's a lot of snow. Yeah. A for real, for real storm. I saw I saw the UPS man and it was up to his knees out there. So, you know, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's terrible. But let's get right into the let's get right into your story and let's talk All about right. you. You grew up in New York, right? I did. I grew up on Long Island, um, a suburb. I grew up in a suburb of New York City. Um, so I it took me a long time to appreciate that. Like when I went away, I realized that when I could come back, I could literally be in the city depending upon traffic in like 20 25 minutes usually an hour um and by train like 45 but I could also be at the beach in like a half hour and then I could just be home like with trees and and like 
you know, like suburbia, but not really because I was kind of hood adjacent. So um, <laughs> it was it was really it was really nice. Um, and I'm grateful for it because, you know, my family is mostly from there. So it's been yeah. it's been a blessing. All right. That's what's up. And, you know, it's, it's kind of rare people like, you know, I'm a New York transplant. And so, you know, my wife actually uh, grew up in Brooklyn. So she's like really the only person other than you who yeah. I know <laughs> who's a real New Yorker. I love it. I yeah. love it. What, what was that like growing up in New York? I feel like my, my only reference for like a childhood in New York was maybe like, hey, Arnold or something growing up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like I said, I'm from the suburbs and I know my people that aren't from New York are going to be like, you're not really from New York City. I said, I never said that. I never said I was from New York City. Um, growing up in New York was amazing. Like um, museums and... Uh, all of the cultural things that I think people that are transplants take for granted sometimes. Like that was just, if my mother didn't like the way that one of my teachers was teaching or didn't like what we were going to teach, she'd be like, let's just go to the Natural History Museum. And it was like, <laughs> it, was it wasn't as expensive as it is now. So it's like you could bring your kids um, to the Natural History Museum on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, and we did. And we had like I had my favorite pizza places, Big Nick's, which moved. Um, I went to the same hair salon since I was in middle school. They just got funding to actually stay open. Astor Place Hairstyles. If you've never been there, it's an experience and amazing and it's cash only still. Um, but then I could go to the beach like all the time. I spent my summers at the beach on the boardwalk. I spent time in Connecticut, you know. It was just amazing, but then had all the cultural stuff too. So I'm really, really blessed in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm from Mississippi. So, you know, we, 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 we had a couple museums down in Jackson. Mississippi is like a, a living museum. Man. Oh, <laughs> Damn, I, the jokes. I know I got no comeback. I got no comeback. <laughs> I've been quarantined for two weeks. I, <laughs> so dig it. I, I do. I want to talk about the culture uh, of New York and respecting the culture and and growing the culture and and all all of that. Like, what what are your thoughts on that? So, um, I was transplant when I went to college. I went to college in Philly. Um, and I made sure, you know, I was technically a gentrifier, even though I didn't like live in any real, like I was, I was part of a class of gentrifiers coming in, taking low income housing because it was cheap. Like I rented an apartment for $475 for a one bedroom apartment, right? Like cheap. I couldn't afford it cause I was in school, but like, I understood that I wasn't from Philly and that also my school was in center city, Philadelphia. And I believed that we had a responsibility as students and as people not from the city to give back to the city all that I'm taking from it. Um, and I believe the same exact thing for New York. Um, the difference is, well, that's not the difference. I see a lot of what happens is that because New York is a very cosmopolitan international city, you got folks that have you know, restaurants, bars, venues, all these things, there's a huge gap. There's not a gap. There's a huge variance in class. There's a huge variance in um, economic status. And so it's hard sometimes to 
place yourself in situations where you feel like you can do some work or where you don't want to be. You don't have to actually be anywhere you don't want to be in New York now, which is wild because like even when I was growing up, you did not want to walk down 42nd Street. Like even when like when I was little, you don't want to walk down 42nd Street. But now it's Disney. So it's it's important to me and important to anybody that moves to New York to not only respect why they moved there, because as jazz musicians, people move there for the mythology of New York. Everybody was in New York. You have to be in New York. New York is the place. Is it? Like, I mean, it is, but it's also a whole lot of other things. Like, have you, you know, and I, I, I find that sometimes people don't respect all of the other things and they don't even respect the jazz history of the space and of New York where it's just a mythology and they want to soak up some of that magic rather than honor the magic with not only, not only they're playing like they're whatever about their playing, but as people. Um, and we don't create community in the communities that we live in. Like Darren, mm-hmm. you have a family, right? Right. Creating community. Like you have to worry about schools. If you're going to be living in New York when your daughter becomes older, that's something that sometimes people don't think about. They don't think about, where they're at, the communities that they're in, they stay with the communities that they're in in school, which again is fine, but understanding that you're coming into a place with such a rich history and such, um, you know, stuff that you might not like, that's not for you to, to like play with. I have, a, I have a friend who I knew from college and he moved up to Washington Heights and he would like I saw him um, post something on Facebook and he was just like, why are there helicopters at 11 o'clock at night? I'm like, because you're in the hood, like <laughs> you need to calm down. You moved to the hood because it was cheap and you wanted to be in New York. Like I need you to like stop. Um, but it's not just about that. It's about the cultural institutions and literally just the city itself. Um, so I believe it's really important for all of us wherever we go to create community, not actually lies, to get to know the community that we live in and we exist in, to be able to give something of ourselves to it. Not in a way of like, I'm better than you, so I have to give this to you, but like actually honoring the people that are in it and being like, all right, I'm going to patronize these stores. I'm going to talk to these shop owners. I'm going to not desecrate the land. I'm not going to... um, you know, deny other people things because I think it's not cool. All of those things. Right. So I think that's really important. I, you know, I learned that lesson in New Orleans and, and I think Greg also learned that, you know, you have to honor the culture and the people who came there or who, who were there before you. And when I first moved to New York, I lived on 111th in Adam Clayton Powell or 7th Avenue. Uh, and there was a guy in my building and I called him the mayor of, of our block, you know, and he would sit, he was an old dude and he would sit on a stoop, you know what I'm saying? And every day he, he spoke Spanish. He was, I think he was, uh, I can't remember which country he was from, but anyway, and, and he'd be like, Paisan, Paisan. Everybody, everybody would stop and talk to him five, 10 minutes. The dope boys, the preachers, the teachers, the police, everybody, you know? And, and he, you know, and I, I walk out onto my stoop and I'm like, damn, man, I got to talk to this cat again. Like, cause it's like 45 minutes to an hour, but, but he passed, but it was nice getting to know him and getting to know the neighborhood through his eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, it's different. 
It's different to that, do something like that. It's really important. Like, because all of the things that we move to cities for are generally because of the people that were indigenous there, or at least um, more indigenous than us. Absolutely. And so for, for us to like, I'm in Charlotte now. I walk everywhere. I go to the, I, you know, I shop. It's a very kind of gentrified area now, but like there's still a couple black owned places that I frequent all the time. Like I go to Reggae Central to get my incense. I go to Mama's Caribbean right next door to get my curry, shrimp and rice. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. um, while I love those things because I miss them, I'm also going to patronize there and also get to know those people and like, you know, really respect it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess, you know, like when you, when you're coming into a community, it's always like, I guess very, it can be very easy to forget that again, like the communities existed for a a long time without you. And it has, it's actually going to be fine without you too, (laughs) you know? Um, But you know, I I just like, yeah, I mean, I I guess like in the same way that, you know, we've watched the same things happen in, in, in New Orleans that have been going on in New York. And, you know, my dad, was living in New York in the seventies. And it's funny, like he'll tell me stories about like the meatpacking district and just these random, these random parts of town that, you know, just like, again, Disneyland. I love that word. I feel like that's kind of, everything is slowly turning into Disneyland, man. It's just like, yeah, you know, when, when you move to a place, you need to, you need to assimilate to the culture. It's not your responsibility to change it. Like the shit was working before you. (laughs) But even, even, even that I was walking down, 125th and 5th some point right um and i i found out several years ago cuz i didn't know where my family lived in harlem but they lived in on on 135th and the west side um and so i've always wanted to live in harlem with a brownstone but i was you know i was watch i was looking at the whole foods and i was um thinking about it i was like you know what the issue with gentrification is is that it's not that we don't want clean streets. It's not that we don't want safety. It's just that when we ask for it, we don't get it. But when other people come in, it's obliged to them. Um, and that's the frustrating part. And that's the part I think some people don't understand because they're like, well, it's better because we're here. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. It's better because you're here. They didn't want to make it better for us. They wanted to make it better for you because you are a priority. And sometimes that doesn't even matter. Like a lot of the times people can just say, oh, you know, white people. No, that can be anybody. Like that can just be somebody who has a little more money, who's able to invest and tell somebody, hey, listen, this is what I want. So when I realized that, I was like, yeah, that's what it is. Like, I want clean streets. I want safety. I want all I want a Whole Foods. Like, that's not the problem. <laughs> the problem is you all didn't want to give it to us. Right. Because. Right. Because. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This, this, that's a, this is a really good segue into to our next segment, because I do want to talk about equality ver- versus equity. And a lot of times, you know people, you'll hear women say, I want equality. And I'm always thinking, is it equality that you want? Or even people in the hood, I want equality. Or is it equity that you want? And, yeah. and what's what's your stance on those two things and, and, and how you feel about that? I think um, we need to have equitable transactions for everything. Um, equality generally means like I can treat you the way I treat somebody else because we're all equal now. And that's not necessarily it. Like 
I'm going to need some more things than you are. Like, that's just what it is. And that's what equity is. Um, I'm going to need you to trust me to be a part of this, to have ownership on this. Um, I'm going to, and that's, and that's what a lot of the times we're asking for, especially um, like I'm a mixed race, black woman from New York. And what I want is I want equity in the spaces in which I exist that I haven't gotten historically. And, and, and many, many other people have not gotten historically. I want to be able to go into spaces and say, I'm cool. Like I'm here. I can be here as my full self and feel safe and honored in this space. And that comes from equity. Um, that doesn't just come from equality. Oh, well, I gotta, you know, you, I gotta be nice to you now. I'm like, no, that's not it. Like you can, you can still treat me, but you might be a terrible person and you might just treat people terribly. That's, I'm not asking you to treat me like that. I'm asking you to honor me and honor what I have and what I do and, and, um, let this be equitable. Um, and let, let there be a, um, a showcasing and a propping, not even necessarily a propping up, but allowing other people that haven't historically had equitable relationships in these spaces to do so now. Um, I don't, I, I understand why, why a lot of people haven't been like really quick to be like, nah, just like tear all of it down because most of us are super comfortable and it's like, yeah, I mean, tear it down is cool, but like, what about my apartment? Right. And so that's, and that's real. Like I, I understand that. And I have to, I have to check myself too. Cause sometimes I'm just like, nah, it's like, let's go. Right. But then it's like, all right, but what does that mean? And it, it, for me, it comes down to having conversations with folks and seeing where we're all at. Um, sometimes people can try to lie. Lots can be revealed in a conversation. Um, and the conversation is only the beginning um, before, I mean, people should, people should want to have conversations because if they don't have conversations, their stuff is going to get broken. Um, uh, literally and figuratively. And so, um, that's why all of that is important to me is all of the identities that I show up as, but also for every single person that maybe not be the same thing as me. I believe in equity for all of us. Um, now, Again, that means there have been there have been people that have ha have had more equitable, you know, existence in the United States. And I'm saying y'all don't have to do anything other than give me what's mine. And that's hard. That's hard. Um, and that's uncomfortable. And that's scary, even at the lowest level. Um, but those are the things that are important to me. Um in a very generalized sense, I think that was. I was being as general as I possibly could, but I hope everybody kind of understood what I was saying. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You, you got something, Greg? When, when you were talking about equity, I, I'm wondering, like, again, like, how do you, I mean, I guess everyone is walking this balance, but it's like, how do you, how do you find the line between um, taking what you deserve and then being given what you can't be given like how 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 does that line work and like how, how how have you navigated that that's a that's a great question um because the issue is and i i i felt myself kind of going around it when i was talking about gentrification i don't want people to just give me something right like mm -hmm. that's not what this is about i want you to understand that for things to um 
for th- for people to get what they what they have been um, said we were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule, like just as an as an example, um, people are going to have to lose stuff. Um, and it dep- it all comes down to what the situation is. So towing the line is literally about, all right, what is it that I need from this situation that I haven't gotten? A great example is like co-ops. Um, a great example is like the platform Ampled, Ampled, I think it's called. Um, yeah, Ampled and, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is an art, it's a co-op for musicians. Um, and so they're bringing, they're giving some of their, you know, it's, it's each person has a share of it. Um, and that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about, at least not we, let me not say we, I am. Um, I'm talking about if, unless you want to give up what's rightfully mine, I'm going to have to take it. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's just what it is. And that's, again, not easy conversations to have with folks. Um, and it's a, it's a systemic thing, but it can also be a personal transactional thing as well. And I think people need to look at it in both ways, but remembering that this is a, this is a systems thing, y'all. It's not just about, you know, Tommy Lee down the block has a bigger house and I have a smaller one. Like that's yes and no, but all of that is systemic. So. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to say, you know, also, I think one of the things that drives a lot of the fear in having these conversations is, is I think like there's a deep seated fear in a lot of people who have, and and we all have something, it might not be what we want at the time, but, but the deep seated fear that I have this. And in order for you to also have it, you need to take it from me or something like that. And I, and I think there's like, that's a, it's a big, uh, misconception or a big um, uh, a fault in, I guess, people people's thinking is like I think I think we do live in a world of abundance where you having what's yours w- would not actually take away me having what's mine, and and I think there is enough for everyone. You know, there are of course, without a doubt, circumstances and situations where people hoard and and just have way the fuck too much. But um, but I, I think that's like I think we are ultimately as a as a world we have to dispel this myth that in order for everyone to have there's going to be people without. There's a um, I'm gonna mess up the quote, but I just want to like talk about it for a second. There was a really interesting idea that the reason that you know, and we're talking about the United States, so we're talking about white people. There's a re- there's um, this idea that the reason why white people are so afraid of getting that power taken away is because they think we are going to treat them the way that they have treated us. Right. Um, and that's real. I can't, I mean, I can't speak about that, but of course that's part of it. Like you think that we're the same in that sense, or you're afraid that we're just going to be like, nah, you all (laughs) did some stuff and we need to do it to you. And I know plenty of people that want that. Right. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm not one of those people. Um, I don't believe our path to justice and equity for anything um, stems in oppressing somebody else because that's what we're trying to get away from. Um, And that's another like that's the thing. That's the thing right there. Like, I'm not trying to oppress you. I'm trying to get what is what is for me that has been denied from me. Um, and this is race, gender, sex, um, sexuality, uh, uh, class, all of it, all of it. Yeah. See, you, you, that's, that's, 
it's, it's, it's so much to, to talk about in all of that, you know, and right now we just on a musical tip. We just on slyly. We're on, we're kind of talking because you're a woman from the woman's perspective. Sure. And you're a heterosexual woman. So we, that's, that's where we're coming from right now. But like you yeah. just said, we can dive deep into to all of the problems that our society faces, faces uh, socially. Because for some reason in America, we like to keep, if you're not like cis white, then it's kind of like, fuck you. And it's, yeah. it, you're oppressed. And that, that's, that's the downfall of America. But we, it, sometimes it seems like we're turning the corner. It does. And I think there's always, it's like this, like there's going to be progress is going to be regression. That's just is what it is um, until something, until the systems really change. And like going back to music, I mean, what I've, what I've been thinking about a lot lately is the idea that New York is a city where a working musician should be able to make a living as a working musician full stop. Um, that's not always or necessarily the case because of the economics, um, because of the class system. And that's huge, right? Like that's a huge part of all of these problems. And that's just, that's the umbrella to which I'm falling under as a, you know, cisgender heterosexual woman, uh, heterosexual mixed race, black woman, like all of these identifiers, like, I'm falling under that, like that's on top of me. And then I just have this experience of understanding that the music scene is very much like the rest of the world. Mm. When white men run things, nobody else usually gets to get anything. Mm. Um, And that could be, and that's not, again, that's a very generalized blanket statement. I'm not trying to call people out. I'm not trying to say every, you know, none of that. Um, and I have to qualify that, unfortunately, because people can't see. But if the shoe fits, wear it. Right. Well, just I think saying. that's just historically accurate. Like- it is historically accurate. And um, it's important to me that we start I- identifying and having these conversations um, regarding the experiences that oppressed people have in these systems and jazz and the jazz scene the music scene in New York is no different. It is literally just a microcosm of what else is happening in the world. Um, so, yeah. You know, on, on some level too, like when you were, when you were speaking specifically about the music community, I mean, my, the first thought I had is like, I mean, who, who working class people, the, the cats, you know, cleaning toilets and, and serving food or wait, waiters, waitresses in Manhattan, like they live, they don't live in Manhattan. You know, they're taking the, the train for an hour and a half to come in and, and, and work, a, you know, a work an essential job that must happen and, you know, but, but can't afford to live anywhere near the, the place where they work. And that's just like such a tragedy. And, you know, as much as, you know, like I, I totally support, you know, having the conversation from, uh, you know, from the point of view of like sex, gender, race and things like that. You know, I feel like something that's also important is like talking about the conversation from class, too. And and I think that's like I think that's um, that's that that's just part of the, the larger conversation that needs to 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 be more not more present, but like but part of it in all to, I think, get the uh, the white folk on board, because I think a lot of times like there's just that 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 fear that you're talking about of, you know, that's that's a deep seated fear that 
exists like well what you know like well what if they do what we did what if they what if they start doing what we did like, yeah shit. exactly <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh but um with that it's funny because i wrote something on facebook about this today um and i try to stay away from facebook in these senses but i had to say it um I don't think a lot of us, and I've had this conversation with other musicians, I don't think a lot of working musicians understand the class that they exist in. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Preach. And, Say that. And, and right, like, and that's hard. And that's um, because uh, I grew up, I will, I love my mother so much and she has power now. Maybe she's watching this. But when we were, she was really real. Like I never grew up wanting because I didn't know we were broke, but she would always say we are hanging off the L in lower middle class. Like that, that was her. So I really, I kind of understood my place. Um, even in the suburbs, the suburbs are not cheap and we can't, uh, anyway, I digress. Um, but I understood my place in the class system. And I think sometimes we forget as working artists that if we're not a part of the 1%, of course, but we're also not a part of like, unless you're making really good money teaching, you know, middle class is like, what, 100K now? Like, I think like for real, for real, they want to say that's upper, but it's like, no, actually like shit has changed. Um, so being really... Um, understanding where you're at in this class system as a working musician is really important. Um, but I believe it shouldn't necessarily be that way. Um, so I've also been looking at labor issues and things like that to really try to dissect this. Um, because you're right, Greg, like class is huge. And if maybe we can align ourselves with other people that have done this work before, um, things could change. And then there could be more equity because people then wouldn't have the excuse of, well, I got to take this because it's money. Hmm, no, you don't. Because look at us now, like we're all getting good money. Right. So you just don't want to not take it. So I see you. Um, so that's another huge part of this, Greg. Absolutely. You know what? Let's pivot to listen to some music. Cause we get heavy. We are sorry, y'all. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. This is great. You already picking up some fans. People in the comments already said they, they went over to Bandcap, listened to to a few seconds seconds of a song, and they bought it. You got new fans. We got a bunch of Yay. comments. That's what all that Thank stuff you. is on this side of my Aww. screen. But Thank uh, you guys. Anyway, let's play. So wait, let me let me let me go back. Yes, Salivag. How you pronounce it? Salivagant. <laughs> so that's how I pronounce it. Right. Um, it's a little incorrect, but that's my EP that I um put out February fourteenth, two thousand and twenty. Perfect. Um, you know what happened after that, but yes. So. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So we're gonna play a track from that called "With You." Thank you. 
my molten core My world will go on turning But what's a
Hey, Jeanette, I don't know how y'all feeling, but I'm feeling real sexy right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Can you tell us who's on the record? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, saxophone is Nasir Dickerson. Um, Piano and uh, keyboard is Brandon McCune. Um, Drums is Russell Carter. And uh, produced and bass played by Desron Douglas. Wow. Listen, I can't even take it, man. I, and then, I, oh, yeah. And then um, <laughs> the voiceover was done by a good friend, drummer Rodney Harrison, um, written by my friend Brian Jones. You know what? That was the icing on the cake for me. Made me feel like I was back in 1991. You know? <laughs> Remember how everybody used to get on yes. there? They used to talk yes. before the record start. Hey, hey. <laughs> Hey, girl, you're going to like this. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's dope. That is really, like, what it was. My influences are so varied. Like, I was like, this feels like the quiet storm. Um, And, like, I wanted it to feel like CD 101.9 and sexy and, like, grooving and all of it. So I love that song. Yeah, absolutely. You did your thing. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I was like, that saxophone solo was killing. Every note that cat played was just like, woo. Yo, Nas is like the real deal. We went to college together. Um, Amazing. Can we can we get into like deeper into your influences and the sound of this record? Yeah. And uh, because I know everybody out here now, they want that because they need it now. The way they feeling. I wish I had a scotch or something. Greg, you got a scotch. (laughs) Give me a scotch today. (laughs) I got you. Hold on. I'm gonna email it to you. Okay. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, so my influences are so varied, right? Like, um, both of my parents are musicians. Um, my dad's a cellist and a saxophone player and my mom's a singer, actor, dancer. Um, and so we listen to a whole lot of stuff. Um, uh, we listen to everything from the Paul Winter consort to Yvonne Linz, um, Ola Tunje, uh, uh, the, Samba, Stevie Wonder, Shaka Khan, uh, Michael McDonald, Steely Dan, um, Donny Hathaway, and then, um, oh, and then like Patty Austin and all of the, the singers from CD 101.9, the Brecker Brothers, um, and then, and all the classics to Coltrane, um, Parker, Miles, all of that. And then um, listening to, I'm um, from the suburbs of New York City, so Hot 97. Um, Kiss FM, um, all of those. So like Mary J, Faith Evans, Lauren Hill are three of my modern vocal um, like influences. I wouldn't say I sound like them, but like they they definitely helped my style. Also like how I perform. I don't perform like a like a lady. Like I'm very much like Mary J. Like right. I look like I'm rapping, um, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then hip hop. Um, and then also like Bill Withers, I got into when I was a little older and then just kind of went down the Bill Withers, Carol King, um, Joan Baez, uh, Joni Mitchell. So like all of that. It's quite wow. yeah, wow. I love it. Wow. Yeah. You, you for me, you left one out. I didn't hear Jill Scott. And I, and I was I, just okay. As soon as as yeah. soon as you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Jill Scott, music soul child. I literally moved to Philly because my friend bought me the double CD, the live um, Jill Scott album. Yeah, she bought that for me, 
And I was listening to to Music Soul Child already, and I was just like, well, if they're making music like this in Philly, I need to be in Philly. <laughs> so that's why that's why I picked the school I did because I was like, yeah. I gotta be there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. All of those people, uh, you know, those are people I grew up listening to too, and I love them, and that's why I love your music. Because you can Thank you can you. feel that you can feel that and you know what Greg it feels like New Orleans too because it's way back on that beat bro it's mm-hmm. way back there you know and y'all New Yorkers sometimes y'all be a little y'all be in a rush y'all don't know oh, about I that mean, <laughs> all the time like this is us all the time this is wild. wild I had to really learn how to lay back a lot more like I can like I can swing I can ride a beat but like understanding the, the difference was hard at first like relax like Mm -hmm. calm down like oh okay i can calm down now you had you got desron douglas on this and and that's my brother from another mother we we not related (laughs) actually i I met des when i was living in new orleans but i do want to talk about the production aspects of making a record especially one like this and how important it is to have somebody to help you bring your sound to life yeah, so um, I was very intentional with this EP. It was only three songs, but I wanted them to be really, really special. Um, so I had one engineer, oh, for the two songs on the, the two out of three, I had one engineer and that was Willie Green. Um, I met him on the underground hip hop scene and he's amazing. Um, so he engineered the whole, those two songs. Um, we went to the same studio for both songs. Um, and then I knew for the other two songs on the album that I could produce them, but I needed somebody for this, this record specifically. And I was like, Hey dad. And we were, we had been talking a lot about collaborating. Um, and I was like, well, you want to produce, I think you would understand what I want from this song. Right? Like I, I had all the chords and everything and he, he saw it. And he, he saw what I had written. He's like, all right, I know exactly what it is. I, and then like he went into the studio and did it. I was just like, I don't know why I'm here today because I wasn't actually performing the vocals that day. Like I was just like, okay, that's cool. Um, and it was, it's really, really hard to meet people that get it like on site. And I knew that he would. Um, and so it was literally on site and everybody on that, on that record got it on site. Wow. Again, I was really intentional with the people that I had play on each song. Um, and so it was, I mean, firstly, to be prepared was so important because this is my third recorded, like in studio recording thing. I have one full length and another EP. So I've gotten used to recording for myself. Um, and I've recorded for a lot of other people. So understanding what it takes to be in the studio and do it is one thing. And then understanding the people you need around you, because you can have Kim players, right? Like you could call all the heavy hitters and they just don't gel in the studio. And it's like, well, damn, I wasted all this money because this don't even sound good. Um, And then understanding time management, people management um, is really important. Like I, my brother will tell you, like, I'm bossy, like, and I don't like that word, but like, uh, this is what I need y'all to do. And sometimes I can be a little (laughs) lax, like with people, like, I'm just like, oh, y'all get it. Like, I don't need to do anything. But then sometimes I'm like, nope, we got four hours. Let's get this done. Um, This is what we need to do when and where. And I think that's really important to for success. And it's also really important to know what sound you want. And Willie and I spoke about that a lot. Like what mic I'm going to sing on, how we're going to mix it, what needs to be where. So, yeah. Did, did you guys ever get into like any um, 
I, I don't want to say, well, did you get into like any musical disagreements? And I mean, like, you know, you're talking a lot about how much you trusted the cats you were working with. And like, w was there a point that maybe they pushed you to like an uncomfortable place for yourself? Or did you, did you never even touch that spot? Not with this group of people. No, like this was, um, this is what I want. And they got it like immediately. Um, and it was great. I, I like literally we were at virtue and vice in green point. I think that's where that is or Williamsburg. And so I wanted it all in a big open room. I wanted everybody to be in the same room as much as possible. I was like, I don't care about bleed, whatever. It's fine. Um, and, and so we knew, and like, I could, I could actually explain exactly what I wanted and they respected me enough to be like, okay, that's what you want. Um, if they had a question or like Brandon on keyboard, like I trust him. So if he likes something a little different, um, I'm going to let him play that. Like if, if, it, if it, if it was what I wanted to write and didn't realize I didn't write that down, like, oh yes, of course. Um, that's it. But if it's not, and people just want to do something that they think is cool, then it's like, no, you're not doing that. Um, and that happened that didn't really happen. Um, Will Willem Delisfort was also on one of the songs on this EP. And like, I, you know, he's he's really great with singers. So it was just like, here's a chart. Um, we talked through the chart and like, it was a wrap. Like it was great. So yeah. Listen, Jeanette, we, we coming to the end here. And before we go, I do want to give everybody an opportunity to buy that EP, the other EP, your full length album, your coffee mugs, like any <laughs> where can they where can they go buy all your stuff at jeanetteberry.bandcamp.com is where you can buy everything i have my full-length album my first ep um a live album and this ep plus a new single all up on bandcamp and you can buy all of it packaged and this friday is bandcamp friday so which means all of the money goes to um all of the the money that um well, more money. It's like 85% goes to the artist on Bandcamp Friday. And so that's when you should buy it. Wait, you know, stack your, you know, if it's like Wednesday and you got to ration something like, man, this whole thing is like, I think the whole kit and caboodle is around $30. So it's like, I just need to, you know, not eat out today and then go buy all of the things. Um, <laughs> all of the things. I like that. Look, y'all give up that Chinese food for two nights and Just then go nights. buy all of Jeanette Berry's records. All of them. You know I swear I mean? the General So's sacrifice will be worth it. <laughs> it will be worth it. Let me tell you your something. Bo your body will thank you. There you go. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> hey, listen. If you buy that record, your old lady might thank you too. Just start playing like a couple candles. Shoot, let me tell you something. I got some other ones on the full length that are sexy. Hey. Get into it. Um, also, where, where can they link up with you on the socials? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at JB underscore soul nerd. S-O-U-L-N-E-R-D. That was the name of my band, Jeanette Berry and the Soul Nerds. So I, it still exists within me. Um, so J under JB underscore Solnerd on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I have a website, JeanetteBerry.com, which I'm working on right now to revise for the new year. Um, yeah, those are the places. Facebook is just mainly for friends and family. So. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, that's it, man. Jeanette, thank you so much for coming on thank the Working Artist Project. This is amazing. You guys are great. Thank yeah. you for all that you're doing. This is really important. So thank you for 
Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure to meet you and get a chance to rap with you. You're an incredible, incredible person. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Absolutely. All right, y'all. We'll catch y'all next time. Later.